I'm going to go into the word of the Lord. You ready for the word of the Lord today? Good, good. I'm ready to go into the word of the Lord. Grab hold of your Bibles. We're going to read a story today together, y'all. Ready to read the Bible? Amen. How many read the Bible this week? Wait a minute. How many of you read the Bible this week? How many of you read it more than one time this week? Some of you are looking away. You're telling on yourself. Hallelujah. How many of you prayed this week? Amen. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Somebody's in the Bible. We are going to talk today. You know, labels. Somebody say labels. Labels are convenient. Come on, talk to me. Labels. Has anybody ever had the experience of being sent to the supermarket by their wife? Brother Rich, you said that out loud. And then you get to the supermarket and your wife says, she gives her description, thank God for labels. Come on, talk to me in this house. Labels are very convenient. They help you know what to expect. I'm big on, in the last couple of years, of reading the label on the back. Not just the name of the product, but the label in the back, the part that says how much polysaturated, monosaturated, calories, sodium, cholester. Y'all know Lester Oil, right? And they tell me what to expect. This product says that if you eat this, you're going to die early. <laughs> Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. You can't read the label, see what the label is saying, and expect something different. The label helps you to know what you're getting into. Come on, talk to me in here. Labels are interesting. You see them in the aisles in supermarkets. You know, uh, going to like Walgreens and, and stuff like that. Walmart is, is humongous now. Walmart is like an experience for real. You know, you, you no, it's just me. I thank God for the labels that they got in the air at Walmart. Because they let you know. You know, you go in there for electronics, it says electronics. If you go for whatever else on the top, if you look, the labels tell you. So if you walk to the section where the label is, you're expecting whatever the label says to be there. Do you follow that? Labels on jars. Come on. Labels on products. Labels on signs. You know, signs are practically labels. When, you, when you're driving down the street and you want to know what to eat, thank God for labels. Because if there were no signs, you wouldn't know what the building to expect. You know, um... I don't know if you've often done this. I've went into Wendy's and I've said, can I get a Happy Meal? <laughs> Why you laugh? That's because that's McDonald's. And you know a McDonald's by the big arches. You don't drive up in there and say, give me a four for four. Come on, talk to me in here. This is all the bad eating people. All right, um... You don't go to the salad bar. Hallelujah. Never mind. Uh, restaurants have labels. Labels on things in your house. How many of you live with a label person? How many got a label person in your house? Like they got just got labels everything. Label. Put everything in saran wrap. Label it. Or maybe you got a label, label leftover food person. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Savannah is borderline there. 
Savannah will come home and bring something that she knows her father will have some uncontrollable urges. And the thing that she doesn't do is just write her name on it. But I know. <laughs> Not only do we put labels on things, we put labels on people. Come on, talk to me in here. We label people awesome, generous, right? Kind. We label people Thank you, Sister Evie, for always preaching with me. Mean. You label people nowadays a big label for everybody. As long as somebody don't support you or like what you... We call them a... No, they just don't like your stuff. I mean, I'm the only one with true haters. If you don't like what I do, you a hater. <laughs> we label people. We label people liars. We label people cheaters. The labels get deeper. You label people failures. If you're not careful, you label yourself some of these things. You label yourself whatever your mistakes are. And what is true for real labels in life is what happens with people. Once we put a label on a person, this is what we expect from the label. If you think a person is a liar, you're going to expect them to lie. If you think a person is such and such, whatever label you give to people, that's what you're going to expect from them. The problem is oftentimes, the way we start labeling each other is not even from our own experiences with each other. Sometimes we put labels on people that somebody put on them and gave to you. You ever go into a new work environment, you meet new people, and you, the person that's showing you around say, that's Charlie, but don't talk to him. <laughs> I just met, I just, I just met Charlie. And immediately you told me, Charlie's somebody that I should avoid. So my first encounter with Charlie is, don't talk to him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we, we put labels on people. We, we do that in families. I wasn't always a good kid, believe it or not. I caused my parents a lot of trouble. I remember after the Lord turned my life around, I was introduced in another church to preach for the first time. And this was the introduction. I'll never forget it. We now bring to the stage the one who is least likely. Who no one has thought of. The black sheep. I guess he was trying to make a point. But he was giving me a whole lot of labels. And people can see you. And label you and keep you at an experience they had one time in their life with you. But people are not like products. Water is going to stay water. It might get dirty. It might get old. But this is water. People can change. People can change. And here's what I want you to know. Placing a label on a person can limit that person, but it can also limit you. Because you might be missing the gift that that person could be because you placed a label on them. Do you see that? Today, I want to talk to you for the next two hours on the subject your label is limiting. Your label is limiting. Let's pray today. Thank you.
Thank you, my brother. Let's pray today. Father, I just thank you for your word, and I just pray that you would bless it to our hearts and cause your word to find root. And when we leave here, we would be transformed. This word is for me. This word is not for anybody else. And I pray that you would speak to my heart and cause me to be transformed. In the name of Jesus, this is what we pray. Amen. In the book of John chapter 9, if you would jump with me there, hallelujah, there is a story there that I want to pull some things out of. In the book of John chapter 9, and the Bible, the Bible uh, tells of a story there of a healing of a blind man, a man born blind. Amen. But in order to understand John chapter 9, you got to understand John chapter 8. And you guys already know John chapter 8, right? How many of you know John chapter 8? <laughs> John chapter 8 is a showdown between Jesus and the Pharisees. So Jesus, who is the Messiah, the Son of God, is having a showdown with the Pharisees. Pharisees were the teachers and leaders of the religious law at the time. The people who ran the synagogue. The people who uh, studied the, 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 the Old Testament books. They had all the knowledge. And Jesus was uh, the one who was claiming to be the Messiah. And they had a big problem with that because they did not believe Jesus was who he was. They put a label on him or they were trying to. Do you follow that? And so they're having this showdown in John chapter 8. And it's not, this is not just your typical, like I've, I've seen a lot of movies on Jesus. But I've never seen John chapter 8 captured the way, at least the way it's written here. Because this was like a, a hardcore, we going to tell each other what we think about each other now. Come on. You ever told somebody what you thought about them? Like really told them what you really thought? So they started saying to Jesus things like, you know, we know who we are. And that you are not who you claim to be who you are. And Jesus holds no punches back. Jesus just goes straight for the kill. He says, you know what? I am who I say I am. And if you don't Say who I say I am. You're a liar. So he calls them a liar. Then he goes further and not only sticks the knife in, but turns it a little bit. He said, not only are you a liar, but your father, because he started saying things like, I know who my father is. My father is the one who sent me. My father is God the father. And your father, he says, is the devil. devil. Y'all are not only liars, but your daddy is the devil. And then he starts to really, like Jesus was telling them off really brilliant here. He says, and the way I can prove that your daddy is the devil, because you speak like him. His native tongue is lying, and everything you say is a lie. Now imagine you being the leader of your church. And the, 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 there's a congregation member who says your native tongue is lies. You are from your father, the devil. So they fought back. Come on, somebody say fight back, Pharisees. Come on, you just can't take that abuse. So they started fighting back. They said, wait a minute. What do you mean? We, we know who our father is. They started bringing up the, the fact that Jesus really... We don't really know who your daddy is because you were born of a, a virgin. So technically, we know who our dad is and, and we come from Abraham. And Jesus started saying things like, Abraham, let me tell you something. Abraham longed to see my day and he did. They said, how could you say that Abraham saw your day? Are you older than Abraham? Who do you think you are? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I was. 
I told you all, y'all know John chapter 8. He said, before Abraham was, I was. He said, before Abraham was, he knew I will be. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And immediately they got big mad now because if you know the Bible, many people say Jesus never claimed to be God. Take them right there to the book of John chapter 8 because the Bible says their next action was, they, they said, ain't no more talking. Have you ever gotten into an argument to where, where New York at? I want to talk, I, if you out of town, you from another place, you ain't going to relate to this. But there's some things when you have conversations in New York, you just know, all right, we've reached the line now. And if you're from out of town and you don't know, there's a couple indications. If you're female and you're talking to another female and that female starts to do this. <laughs> I ain't talking to New Yorkers. If once the female pulls that earring off and it, it looked like a clip on, but it's really not. And she don't, she don't even take, she just wang and that come off one shot. You have crossed the line of no return. Like your next words, once they start, is you better be super careful. Amen. Amen. The Bible says once Jesus started saying to them, that before Abraham was I am, they started picking up. They said, oh, ain't no need to talk anymore. We got enough to incriminate you that you broke the law and we're about to stone you and kill you. They picked up stones to kill him. Why? Because when he made the statement before Abraham was I am, he is claiming that he is God. The only one who has ever said that about himself was when Moses went to him and said, Who shall I say? The God that I've met here on this burning bush sent me. And he said, You tell them, I am that I am. And Jesus said, Ain't no difference between me and him. I, and they said, We're going to kill him. And Jesus, like the Bible don't give you how it happened, but it just said, And Jesus slipped away. Jesus said, not now. <laughs> not now. There's going to be a time I'm going to let you kill me. But not now. And he left. And then we pick up John chapter 9. Y'all ready for John chapter 9? See, y'all read a whole book already. A whole chapter. John chapter 9, it says, And as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Somebody say blind from birth. And his disciples asked him. And I want to stop there because I want to make my first point. The Bible starts off with chapter 9 that says, as he went along. As he went along. Here's my first point to you, church. Jesus is never too busy to do good for others. This conversation, he's coming from, they just try to kill me. And he's moving along and he sees a blind man. He's never too busy, never too much in trouble to do good for others. And I want you to know that the God of the universe today, even though there's so many of us in this room and billions of people on the planet, it still doesn't make him so busy that he doesn't have time for you. He's that type of God. He's loving and he's caring. And as he went along, the Bible says that he saw this man who was blind, blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Blind from birth. Blind from birth. Now, I want you to pay attention to that. He didn't, he wasn't born with sight and then went blind. He, 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 he didn't have a time in his life where he saw things. But then something happened to him and he lost it. So, so all he has is the memory of what sight is. No, no, no. This man didn't go blind. He was Born blind. There's a difference. Because 
It means that everything he has ever done in life was done in darkness. If he had a conversation, it doesn't matter what the conversation was about. It doesn't matter how intriguing. It doesn't matter what he was conversing in darkness. If he ate a meal, it didn't matter what he ate. He couldn't see his own food because whenever he ate, it was in darkness. If he had family and friends and they, they hung out and they did things and they're playing and, and he's, he's hearing sounds and he's, everything he's ever done is in darkness. This man didn't go blind. He was born blind. And I want you to know theologically here that this is a picture of a people that rejected God. His own people said, you are not God. And the next verse says, he goes to a blind man who was blind from birth, who all of his life lived in darkness. It is a picture of what was to happen. Jesus, the Jews that rejected him, he was then going to open the gospel to a Gentile world that laid in darkness all of history. I wonder... I wonder if we really understand how much blindness affects all of us in this room. I mean, have you ever been around a room full of people and trying to enjoy life? And the more you try to enjoy life, there's still an indication of some type of emptiness there. And maybe you try to enjoy family. Maybe you try to enjoy career. Me and my wife was talking about enjoyment this morning. I knew this was going to make this sermon somehow. But, but the more you try to enjoy life, the, you, 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 you think that all these things are going to bring joy to you. You think that when you get married, it's going to be a bed of roses. And it was, but you forgot roses have thorns. Come on, somebody. You thought that when you got that career, you thought that everything, but, 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 but for some reason when you, when you, when you go about living, you, this is, still seems to be this darkness that is over your life today. You know, you, you know, it makes me think about freedom, hallelujah, uh, 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 being truly free in Christ. And there's so many people that are living in the world. They, they're going to the clubs. They're going to hang out. They're going to the bars. They're going to drink. They're, they're doing everything that the world says. This is what you ought to do. This is what life is. But there's never freedom in them. Do you know there's even people in the church that are so close to light. But still in darkness. Everything I do is in darkness. And I want you to know this y'all. He that was blind from birth, hallelujah, he has a recollection of what light is. Or he who went blind has a recollection, but he who was blind from birth, he doesn't even have a concept of what light is. And this man, no matter how much you describe it to him, and you tell him what colors are, he can only imagine and you take him to the ocean and he can hear the water. And as the sun sets, you can describe it to him. But he can never experience it. Imagine being around everything, but never being able to. He was born blind. He was blind by nature. I want you to see something here. I'm getting ready to preach, y'all. He was born blind by nature. But here comes a man who was born light by nature. Amen. Hallelujah. He was not no ordinary man. Jesus was the light of the world. His nature was light. Hallelujah. He is the God man. And so you have two natures about to collide. When light and darkness meets, something is going to happen. This man was born blind and the world labeled him blind, not of any use. You could imagine as people walk by him every day and he's got his cup clinging, begging, 
No one wants to be associated with him. Maybe some people will give stuff. Maybe sometimes he touched the aristocrats and they would maybe say, get off me and spit on the ground and move on from him. Who knows how they treated him because they labeled him blind, no good. Nothing good can come from him. But I want you to know there's a label changer. You know those guys in the supermarket? I used to be one of them. They give the gun to that got the label. That he, he, you know, he, he can walk up and if it was $9.99, he's been authorized to change the label. It's now $4.99. He, he just has the power to change stuff all over the store. He walks around with his label gun and says, reduce price, clearance. He just changes everything that was and rearranges with a label. I want you to know the God we serve is a label changer. He's able to change the labels that the world want to give you. He's able to change the labels that, that the enemy would like to put on you today. He's a label changer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that he couldn't see. But here's my third point. Even when you can't see God, rest assured that God sees you and I don't know what your circumstance is here today but I want to tell you that God sees your circumstance that God sees the pain God sees the trials God sees whatever is happening in your life today and even though you might not see him even though you might feel like God is far away God sees you today and the Bible says that he saw this blind man and when he saw this blind man, the disciples asked him a question here, y'all. The disciples says, Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And I want to say this, y'all. Here's my, here's my next point. Don't make people's problems an opportunity for discussion. Make them an opportunity for God. Sometimes when you see people in trouble, you tend to want to talk about them. But don't talk about them if you're not going to pray about them. People's problems are not your opportunity for discussion. Christians always do, and Christians we fall into that. We, we see problems and we call one another and talk about it and we act like, oh, we're, we're calling each other to talk about it to see what we can pray for. You're lying. You're talking about people. You're trying to discuss why they're in the mess they're in. And sometimes if you're not careful, you will start to draw conclusions as to why people are messed up. Come on, how many of you have ever met somebody who's great on diagnosing everybody else's problems but never able to see themselves? I want you to notice this. How come they weren't talking about their own sins? You never see the disciples going around talking about their own sins. They all, you know, this, this, instead they want to talk about this man. Did he sin or did his mother sin? And I want you to know that sometimes if you're not careful, because people are going through something and you label them as a sinner and label them as an outcast, be very careful because your assumption might be dead wrong. And they label this man as somebody who's in the predicament he's in because of something he did. Now, I'll be honest with you. There are some things that you go through in life that you're the cause of. Hallelujah. There are some things, some places you end up because you made decisions that put you there. And then there's other times that things happen to you that people are saying there's something wrong that you did. They bring up your character. They bring up everything about you to point out the fact that your life is not where their life is. And people often compare where they are. And because you're not where they are, they say it's something wrong that you did. But I want you to know that sometimes some things happen in your life. Not because of anything you did it's not an opportunity for conversation it's really an opportunity for God to show who he is 
Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And here's the problem I have with these disciples and the problem I have with a lot of Christians. We are often loud about the condition of people and we're never loud about the light that we have. Here's the thing. They have a blind man they're seeing and they hanging with light. Instead of they saying, we got light, they said, why are you blind? Uh, let me make that very practical. A lot of Christians look into the world and say, look at the Grammys. Look how sinful they are. Look at pop culture. Look how sinful they are. Look at Instagram. Look at all the evil men do. And we're loud about why they are bad, but we never hear us talk about, but we got light. If people are drowning and I got a floaty device, I'm not saying, hey, why are you drowning? Come on, y'all know me, I love to be on the boat. Sherry don't like to come on the boat with me. Because she thinks I'm that type of captain, that if you drown, hey, why are you drowning? That would be the dumbest thing you will ever do. And oftentimes, that's what we do. We want to discuss the problem. We want to sit and watch. Well, it's the political system. Maybe if we voted this way, maybe if maybe if we get this person in. I want you to know that change doesn't come from anybody else but Jesus. And no matter how much you change society, change things, change. You could change until you can't change anymore. But unless the heart of the man changes, hallelujah, nothing will ever change in that person. And the only person who can change the heart of a man is Jesus. Religion can't do that. Come on, you might be able to keep all the religious practices. You might be able to bow to the east. You might be able to follow all the traditions. But inside, hallelujah, you might be able to fast for a whole month. You might be able to keep every tradition that religion will teach you to keep. But once you walk away from the rituals, you know inside you, you're still blind. You're still dark. Hallelujah. There's no desire to even change. Hallelujah. Sometimes you live in religion to the point where you know I can do bad and I can just go to ask God do this couple rituals and I'm forgiven but it doesn't work like that if you have a light working in you darkness is no longer comfortable and I want you to know today don't be loud about the condition and quiet about the solution hallelujah don't be loud about the condition and quiet about the solution Job reminds us that the greatest of sufferers is not the greatest of sinners. And because you see a man suffering, it does not mean that that man is sinful. However, he is a victim of a sinful fallen world. And a sinful fallen world is an opportunity for God. So when Jesus says his next sentence, it gets crazy, y'all. Hallelujah. And I want you to know that oftentimes in life, and I'm going to bring this plane to a head real soon. Hallelujah. But oftentimes in life, in your mindset, you complain because you're the light. Watch this, y'all. Uh, 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 let's read on in the story. Jesus, they asked him, who has sinned? Is it this man or his parents? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. And then he says this, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And guess what? And after he left the world, this is what he said about you. You are the light of the world. Guess where the light resides? Inside of every one of you. It is a shame when light is desiring to be like darkness. You would never in your right mind look at a blind man and say to him, oh, I want to be like you. I want to be in your condition. But the enemy has tricked us into glorifying blindness. And in our mind, we look to the world, we look to the culture, and we dim our lights in hopes that we can become the dark. When the enemy wants to exalt something and trick you, he will shame what is right, and he will applause what is wrong. You don't believe me? Try just speaking logic in America today. 
just say something as simple as there's such thing as a What are you talking about? They need to give me back all the years I failed biology. Because they are wrong too, right? Noun. What is a noun? A person, place, or a thing? What is a verb? An action verb? What is a, what is a pronoun? A, 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 a word that takes the place of a noun? Not no more. I identify as give me money. Come on, talk to me in this house. Amen. It is amazing that shameful things, things that are broken, the enemy has managed to make us think this is what you ought to aspire to. And light, don't you talk about that Jesus. Don't you say a word about who he is and what he's done in your life. And men who ought to be loud about light are now discussing the problem and the condition. And Jesus said, he's only this way so that I could manifest my light to him. And while I'm in the world, they have light. After this saying, look at what Jesus did. He spit on the ground. I need a person to... He spit on the... That, that was bad, that was bad, that, that was bad, that was bad. <laughs> he spit on the ground and he made mud with the and he put it on the man's eyes now I'm going to tell you why he did this I don't know I don't know I have no idea there's nothing I can tell you about that I've heard all the arguments some people say it's a cultural thing some people say, some people get deep and say, people spit when they walk by. So he was spitting so he could hear the spit, but this spit was different. I heard all, I heard all the preachers, this spit was different. I heard people say, well, Jesus made man out of mud, so he was just showing them I could go into the mud and make, create man again. But he wasn't creating man, he was rubbing eyes. Some people say that there was a belief back then that saliva had healing properties. Why Jesus did this, I don't know. And where the Bible is quiet, I remain. I do know that the method is troubling. I do know that the method bothers a lot of people. And if you're not careful, don't let the method be the reason you never get healed. And you know what's funny? Some of our change, God ain't trying to spit on no ground and rub it in our eyes. Some of our change, the method is much simpler but because you don't like the method, for example, you might want to lose weight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, talk to me in the house. Y'all quiet today. Come on, talk to me in this house. And, and the method is not, Jesus ain't going to spit in your, some people be like, I prefer him spitting my eyes and get, if I, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. Come on, spit on me. <laughs> Spit on me, Jesus. Come on, come on. You see how quickly I'll change your idea about the spit? When you desperate enough, you don't care what happens if a change is going to come. But your method for losing weight is called... But every time you think about There's a brother, I love him dearly. Hallelujah. I won't even tell. But but have you ever have you ever exercised and and in order to celebrate your exercising you went out and got a burger? <laughs> 
Come on. How many of you, you know, you did a nice workout in the gym and you're like, whoa, that was good. Whoo. Yo, let me get a large fries and vanilla shake. Hallelujah. And uh, the protein. The method of change can become the reason you don't change. Oh, how many of you would like some more money in your life? Some liars up in this house. I'm going to ask that again. How many would like, God, if they don't say yes, then don't give them. How many would like some more money in your life? Wow. Y'all showed up. Hallelujah. Here's the, here's the problem I have. Is that the method to get more money is the reason you're probably not getting more money. Learn how to manage the little bit you have. But when you think about that and you think about the new whatever they brought out. Come on, I got to have it. Come on, you see how they, you see how they doing nails now? They got a new technique. You see the new hairstyle? Come on, talk to me. God blessed you with eyelashes. They're no longer good enough. Nowadays we walk around like, how you doing? What do you mean, how you doing? Are there eyes in there somewhere? Come on, talk to me in this house. Hallelujah. And you spend money on things you don't need. Come on, hallelujah. The method of changes that you can't have now in order to have later. You got to sacrifice now in order to have later. But you want now. And so you don't like the method of change. And so the method of change is the reason you don't change. Your marriage is messed up and the way you speak is the problem. And the method to change is when the arguments come up, control your mouth. Come on, somebody, help me out. Hallelujah. Be quick to and slow to. That's a word from the Lord for everybody. But the method of change, no. You don't understand who I'm dealing with, Pastor. You don't have to live with them. Yeah, but the only way that's going to improve is if There's a method that if you don't follow, it's going to remain broken. And Jesus does a method that we struggle with today with. And does this to this man. And then tells him to go to the pool and wash. He goes to the pool. First of all, he's blind, which means somebody's helping him go to the pool. He goes to the pool and as he washes, he begins to see and the plot thickens. Let's go. Put back up my scripture. Hallelujah. The Bible says uh, that he replied, uh, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? In other words, we got a label for you that you're no longer under. Others said, no, that man is always going to be that man. He only looks like him. But he himself insisted, oh, I am the man. I've been changed. And I want to know if I got anybody in this room who can say whatever my label was. I know you still think I'm that. And the new me, you can't handle. Because the old me don't show up to react the way I would normally react. The old me would have wild out on you. 
Come on, somebody. I ain't got no New Yorkers in here. The old me would have put you against a wall. Come on, you would have two-piece with some fries, somebody, if it wasn't for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So, and we live in a disrespectful world nowadays. You can't go to the grocery store without them cutting you off. The old me would have, I'd have played cart games with your ran you over. You see me here. Come on, somebody. You see me walking through this door, right? You see me holding the door for that person. I wasn't holding it for you. You're like 20 steps away. But you go, a lot of things bother me weirdly. A lot of strange things. The old you would have dealt with it different. The old you would have cut people off. The old you would have dealt with things different. And they want to keep you in that label, in that box. But the only thing you can say is, I was that man. And how then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. I want you to know that he was able to see, but guess what? He didn't even see who healed him. God opened his eyes and he didn't even see who opened his eyes. And that's what happens when you get saved. It's an experience. The Lord saves you. He touches your heart. You just know that what I was, I'm no longer. And, and it takes time before you can be revealed who touched you. And so he's in there. He said, the man they called Jesus put mud on my eyes. And he's not even ashamed of the method. He said he put the mud in my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and he washed. And then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. He said, I don't know. They brought, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was on the Sabbath. Jesus is a troublemaker. He, because you got to understand the context. What happened in John chapter 8? He's beefing with them. They say you breaking the law. You are not from God. He goes outside on the Sabbath and heals a man in their face to show them that you don't have authority over the word. I am the word. Heals him on the Sabbath. And look at this, y'all. Instead of them rejoicing that he could see. We got a label that we give Jesus and nothing will change the label we have of him. Because Jesus messes up our position that we feel we need in life. Because Jesus demands change, we're going to label him as he didn't exist. He's just a historical figure. He's just a philosopher. He's just, and they give Jesus all these labels in the world. And the only reason Jesus gets all these labels is because you don't want to change. And so the Pharisees said, uh, 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 Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received this sight and he put mud on his eyes. The man replied and washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, I guess he's a prophet. He don't know who Jesus is yet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. They said, we don't believe you. You're a liar. Bring your parents. The parents came. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know that he is born blind, but how can we see? But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. Now his parents was wise. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who wants to move the label we put on Jesus is no longer going to be part of what we do. 
You see how people are afraid of change? You see how some people don't want to change that they'll make it up, they'll spiritualize it and do everything they possibly can to refuse the change that is staring them right in the face. I wonder who in this room today is going to stay forever how you are because you refuse to change. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again for the people in the cheap seats in the bleachers. How many of you are never going to change? And your life will never change because you've accepted labels that God never put there. And you have put labels on people who are supposed to help you that God never put there. And you've labeled yourself and you've labeled everything. And the reason you will never move forward is because and every time you give an excuse, it's a label as to why I could never get up. And they said, any man who removes the labels that we gave Jesus will never be part of us. And I want y'all to watch this, y'all. They summoned the blind man again. They said, give God glory by telling the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, homie, whether he a sinner or not, I was blind, but now hmm, I feel like preaching right there. Hallelujah. Did Ray depart from us? Hallelujah. Where Ray Keys? Ray. Amen. He's been summoned. He departed. Amen. Hallelujah. But, 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 but this man said, listen, they said he must be a sinner. He said, listen, whether he's a sinner or not, I can't, uh, I can't tell you. I, don't, I, don't, I ain't even seen the man. I just know that 20 minutes ago, I was blind. He put some mud in my eyes, and I didn't know what I was doing. And he said, wash. And when I washed, I started to see. And let me tell you something, y'all. In society, there's so many things people, people try to say, can you prove God theologically? Can you prove God scientifically? And can you prove God in all these ways? And can you, can you explain to me, if there's a good God, why is there bad things happening? You, you hear the questions, come on to me. And, it, you know, talk to me. In it. If, if God is this, why does this happen at every reason? And sometimes it gets overbearing that you all, you know, you kind of, you kind of, I don't know. I didn't, I'm not that deep into it. But, but how do you know that he's real? Because I used to be blind. See, see, I might not be able to explain to you the intricacies of how the world was formed and how the, the, the world is being sustained. I don't know what matter is. As a matter of fact, I failed science. I don't know how none of that worked. I can't explain all of that. I just know that I used to have to smoke 20 packs a day. Hallelujah. But when I ran into Jesus... Somehow that desire for nicotine, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I used to be hooked on this. The way I dealt with my problem was I had to get a bottle and I had to pour up in a hallway. I had to stay in a staircase and get bent and I had to smoke blunts until I couldn't get high no more. That I had to try heavier drugs. But this man, oh y'all, see, if you ain't never, there's people in this room, you might have been hooked on cocaine. Hallelujah. And you went in every angle to try to get delivered but when you ran into the man Jesus I used to see myself as all the labels they put on me I used to sell myself short as a lady I did this with my body as a man I did this with my body I did all that type of stuff but when I ran into Jesus Something happened that I used to be blind. I don't know who I'm talking to. I was a terrible father, but Christ made me a good father. I was a deadbeat dad, but the Lord allowed me to be a good father again. I was somebody who was a bad husband, but the Lord allowed me to be a great husband. I was somebody who was broken, but because of Jesus, I am healed. I came from divorce. I came from abuse. I came from the, the downtrodden. I came from where people didn't care, and I felt like my life was worthless. 
I felt suicidal. I was the person hooked on pornography. I was the adulterer. I was the worst of sinners. You walked by me. You didn't want to do nothing with me because I lived in darkness. All I ever knew was darkness. But one day Jesus came. Oh, I don't feel y'all talking to me in this house. I don't feel y'all talking to me in this house. And I don't care who is in this building. I want you to know that's the same Jesus we serve today. If you want to know him, just don't know him in your mind. Know him in his power to heal. Know him in his power to save. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. I just know what he did for me. Ah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I don't know. I can't explain everything to you. I just know that he opened doors for me. I just knew that I needed a miracle and he came through. I just knew that my, oh my gosh. I knew that my child was sick and he delivered them. I knew that he healed. I knew that he transformed. Oh, I can tell you about the goodness of the Lord in my life. I can tell you about times I didn't know where my next dollar was going to come from. And bills were due. And God supernaturally, notice what I said, supernaturally provided. I remember there were times when my kids were sick and in pain. And they were babies and I prayed over them. Hallelujah. And the Lord took the pain away. And in my mind, I tried to say, well, logically this must have happened. And I had to stop myself and say, did you not just pray? pray hallelujah you often want to give credit to everything else but when you prayed I answered I could tell you time and time again how God took pain away from my broken heart how God if it wasn't for the goodness of God hallelujah sister Sherry should have left me a long time ago but because of the goodness of God he's kept my marriage what my marriage was it's no longer today what my life is it's no longer the same because of Jesus. And y'all are trying to silence my Jesus. And y'all are trying to tell me shut up and give glory to God. You're trying to act like me worshiping Jesus and shouting don't take all of that. And you're trying to tell me to shut up because you know I'm lying. This man said, I once was blind, but now I see. Who am I talking to in this house? And they asked, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? This man has said this like six times. He spit in my face. You think I like saying that? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you, not, why do you want to hear it again? He about to get in trouble. He said, do you want to become his disciples too? Because no matter what you're saying, hey, I'm already a disciple. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple? We are disciples of Moses. <laughs> they had to have a beard at that point. Even if they didn't have one, it just grew. Moses. <laughs> we know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. They still are that. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eye. I got eye. Y'all see these bad boys? I see you, I see blue, I see red, I see yellow, I see sunsets. Show me something I can see. I got eyes. Come on, somebody. You can say whatever you want, but you can't knock what he did for me. He said, y'all say whatever you want. He said, now this is remarkable. That you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man blind. If this man were from God, he could do nothing. 
To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. Don't come out your place, blind man. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, that's twice Jesus found him. Do you believe in the son of man? Now, you got to understand what's happening here. He's outside. Imagine your healing is now your problem. You see, it's good to get your eyes open, but when your eyes is open, new problems are coming. It was better when you were blind, they left you alone. But now that you could see, you a whole new problem to deal with because we don't got a label for that. And some of you, your problem in life is that God just changed you. And the people around you don't got a label for that. You do, you nice now. They ain't used to you being nice. You actually want to change. And because you're changing, they have a problem with that. And this man said, he's kicked out. He's got, he's, he's totally excommunicated from his community because he could see. And he's walking around. And a stranger comes up to him because he has no idea who this person is. He's never seen Jesus. He's never seen Jesus. So he does not know who he's talking to. And the man, Jesus, just asked him, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. So he went from blind to he's a prophet to he's the son of man. And look what happens. The man, Jesus said, you're speaking to him. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And he worshipped him. If you want the favor of God, don't be afraid of the frowns of men. If you want the favor of God, don't be afraid of the frowns of men. Y'all hear me in this house today? Your label is probably limiting you. Or your label is probably lying to you. Or your labels have probably got you losing. What are you talking about? Do you know how many times in my life because of me wrongly labeling people I've missed my blessing? And God had to teach me that early. That your labels are not my labels. And what you think something is, is not what I'm able to do in their life. I remember as a young musician, I used to be dreaming of big venues. I used to tell myself, when you get on this big venue, that's it. Gone clear. And I got on those big venues and went back. Sometimes they don't even want to bless you on those venues. Talk about exposure. Exposure don't pay bills. Come on, talk to me in this house. And then there were times people call and say, I got five people. Can you come preach to them? And you're like, oh. And I labeled, labeled them. Said they were nothing. And in those venues were people who were able to bless me. How many times I've literally been in the presence of people that I can help. And sometimes as I'm talking to them, because I don't look like what help should look like. Because help to some people who are in need of help shouldn't come looking the way you package. 
So as you're talking to them, you're trying to find out. But they're too busy because you can't be the help. So they search for other people and you're sitting there like, if you had just stayed with me and tell me, my heart was already aching to help you. But because you labeled me, you miss what God could have done in your life. You know how many times my labels block my blessing? And I'm trying to tell you, church, that if you're not careful, your problems in your life could be because you've put labels where they don't belong. And because you've labeled these things that, that's all you ever expect from that. You see, there's some people that can, it's as simple as this. You can label, I'll give you an example, you in the church, you can label your pastor as pastor, someone who I know loves and hears from God, or you can label him whatever the world labels pastors, your therapist, whatever. But whatever label you put on a person is going to be what you expect from that person. Is your wife a wife? Is that the label you give her? Or is the label a knife? Are your children's blessings or are they things that mess your life up because I was so beautiful before y'all came? I'm being very practical in this house today. I was on the road to being so great until these children came. So all you expect is for them to get out the house eventually. Oh God, why you got me on this job and why you saved me? I'm the only saved person on the job. So you label your salvation problematic and burdensome. When you should be saying, in this whole job, I'm the only light? How you label something in your mind is going to determine what you expect. And they label Jesus as nothing. And blind people are getting their eyes back. And people are coming out of their the prison cells and being changed. But these Pharisees, I like where I am. And are bitter and angry. Could you be in the position be, that you're in because of the walls you've created in your mind? Remove those labels and put what God says. My child is not a problem child. My child is an opportunity for God to show his goodness. My marriage is not broken. My marriage is God trying to make the two become one. My finance, I am not poor. God shall supply all my needs. So even if times get tough, God will get tougher. And if you don't change the labels you put up in your mind, you will walk around and you will always be in the same position that you are in now. But the Lord came so that your label no longer limits you. Let's pray today. Father, I bless your name.